All right, we appreciate you and thank you for your giving. Thank you for all that you do. You know what, I, I got to thinking, I usually come up that backside and I usually speak to people on that backside. I'm gonna have to come on this side so I can talk to y'all too. Then I have to some one time I have to come down the middle and talk to them. So let me just say hi to everybody. Hello. Glad to have you. And those of you online, I don't know how I'm going to get to y'all who live in South Carolina and all that, but I'm grateful for all of you. All right, let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, praise you, and love you, and honor you, God. God, I'm asking that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth. God, let it be all of you, less of me. Let the people be eternally touched and blessed. And God, let no one's coming be in vain. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, with your Bibles in your hands, you guys know the drill. This is my Bible. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. And we communicate Christ's love compassionately. Pastor Andre, feed me this word. All right, once again, would you put your hands together? Um, I, I've been contemplating about taking the vision statement and preaching through it to show you how it all connects together. It's, it's not by happenstance. It actually has a, a strategic purpose. So just, just know that, that, that when you see the things around the building and when we say it every day, there is a purpose and a reason for it. And since we have some new members, I may go back and catch that up. But we're not going to do that this Sunday. So this Sunday, would you put the title up for them to see? This Sunday is simply this, Jesus, I'll never forget. As I was thinking about old school church and old school songs, that was a song that we used to sing, Jesus, I'll never forget. And so we're going to take some time and we're going to discuss that. Actually, it was one song that my, uh, my bishop, my father, he used to like that whenever we would go back and sing old songs. He would like to sing that song, and he even knew the second verse to it, which most of us didn't know, and he would ring out and sing, and he wasn't really a singer, but that song really touched him. And so we're going to take some time, and we're going to talk about it, but we're not even going to talk about the song at all or even quote the song until we get to the very end. I'm going to talk about Jesus, I'll never forget, but I'm going to go on a roundabout trail and come all the way to the end. So stay with me. So the first thing we'll do we will at least put up a definition of forget, fail to remember, put out of one's mind, cease to think of or consider, inadvertently neglect to do, bring or mention something. I'll put it like this. Jesus, I'll never fail to remember you. I'll never put you out of my mind. I'll never cease to think of or consider you. I will never inadvertently neglect to do things for you, bring things to you, or mention something about you. Jesus, I'll never forget. So how we're going to do this, we're going to go to three um, books in the Bible, three different books. 
These are the three that we're going to go to. We're going to go to Isaiah, Romans, and Psalms. Sounds like a lot, but it's really not going to be a lot. We have six verses in Isaiah, one verse in Romans, and three verses in Psalms. So between Isaiah, Romans, and Psalms, we're going to craft this thing to where you come to the realization of why we say Jesus I'll never forget. So in order to do that, I have to get to some theological things and some things that thrill me as a preacher may not thrill you as a listener. So I'll try to keep you uh, interested and not bored. So when it comes to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, I had studied it for years before I realized that Isaiah didn't write all of Isaiah. There were certain things in the book of Isaiah that have been added in that were anonymous. People don't know who wrote them, but they can tell, the scholars can tell by the way it's laid out, it was different from Isaiah's prophetic language, but it was added. There, there some people believe there's at least four different authors, including the original prophet Isaiah. So this one that we're going to bring up would be known as the second Isaiah. They didn't know what to call them because it was anonymous. So Isaiah and second Isaiah. So there is no book called second Isaiah, but there are a few verse or chapters inside Isaiah that people know they couldn't have been regular Isaiah. So this second Isaiah, what was interesting about how he wrote is he wrote very similar to the way David wrote with the Psalms. So if you ever read Isaiah, it's very prophetic, but it, it does talk about a time where they were, and it talks about a lot of prophetic things, but there's a lot of judgment there. There's a lot of things that are going to happen, and those things eventually did happen to Israel. So there's a lot of judgment, and when you read it, it could be kind of what I call gloom and doom. But this writer instituted a song of praise in the middle of Isaiah that doesn't seem like it fits at all. But it actually ties the work of Isaiah together very smoothly. So let me put this up so that you can understand where we're going with it. And I'll, I'll just read it to you. It says, apparently, the anonymous prophet reworked the scroll of Isaiah, adding passages of good news for the exile in Babylon in order to fan the embers of faith into flame." That metaphor is too weak. For most of the exiles, the fire of faith had gone completely out. So, so he, here's what was going on. They were exiled into Babylon because of things they had done. Israel had just totally made a mess of things. Jeremiah tried to warn them. They wouldn't listen to him. So now they are basically slaves in a foreign land. And so for those who still wanted to serve God... It was not very easy because the life around them was so hard. The inflation was high. The gas was up to 439. There was no baby formula on the shelf. Oh, wait a second. I'm talking about now. Uh, um, um, sometimes you can get in a situation where the seasons around you have shifted so much. Even though you want to serve God, we have to be honest, the conditions around just aren't that conducive if we only look at the negative. And so this writer slips himself in because he wanted to stir up the faith of the people who would read. Let's put another one up. The prophet's task was 
to preach a word so clear to sound a certain note on trumpet of new life so that faith could be reborn in the hearts of a people whose faith had died. To preach a word that could raise the dead sound like a familiar task. In other words, the writer here, this is from, uh, this is called the the working preacher's commentary. And so at the end of that statement, the working preacher's commentary says, does this sound like a familiar task? And what they're saying is, that's my job every Sunday to y'all. My job is to stir up your faith in such an icky, wishy-washy world. And I'm so glad that you guys come to church and I'm so glad that you hear with attentive ear because what you're saying is my ministry is meeting your heart. That there's something that happens when I tune in online or when I walk in those doors. I don't care how bad things have been. I don't care what I face throughout the week. There's something that's going to be said that's going to light upon my heart. It's going to stir me up and it's going to give me the strength not to give up in challenging times. It's not my job to lie to you and prophesy to you that all the challenges are going to automatically disappear and poof, they're gone. Puff the magic dragon. No, I can't lie to you like that. But what I can do, I can keep you stirred up that you have faith even in darkness. Uh, Lady Devin told us that there is a war going on, that, that when we leave here, we have to have a war. But she stirred us up to know we can fight in this war and we can still win. Sister Ruther told us there are certain things that are required to bloom. So even though there's rocks around us and trouble around us, I can still bloom in a troublesome age. I don't care what the 2020s have brought. I can still bloom because the God that I serve, he's still a great, big, awesome, mighty God. And so I get excited stirring y'all up. About these things. And so this is what the second Isaiah or, or one of the second writers who slipped these things in Isaiah because what he, he understood, if they just looked at the reality of things, they may quit. Now, before I move on, it's not just the reality of the things around us that sometimes gets us to quit or makes us want to quit. It's the reality of who we are in the things around us. It's one thing to have things happen around us. It's another thing to have us failing in the process. In other words, my sins are not always perfect. I don't always do the right thing from Sunday to Sunday. My mouth is not always that cute and that clean Sunday to Sunday. Sometimes I sound like a sailor because I say stuff I shouldn't say. Sometimes I have attitudes I shouldn't have. And all those things collected together could make us feel like it's not worth it. God doesn't want to use me. I'm too messed up. But it's my job to encourage you. You are at Deliverance Temple. And I don't care how bad you are. I don't care how much you fail. I don't care how far you've fallen. You still can see deliverance in your lifetime. So that's why one of the parts of our vision statement is we confess our deliverance consistently. If you're perfect, you don't need to confess your deliverance. But we're not perfect people. We got issues. It's stuff done to us. It's stuff that we've done. It's life in general. It's all the things collectively that are pressing down, that are weighing on us, and we're trying to keep ourselves together. And that's why right now they say so much and talk so much about mental health because there's just sometimes it's the straw that broke the camel's back. 
just one more thing might make me go crazy. But because you're part of the deliverance temple, you're able to stand up under these things and still have a smile on your face, still have a praise in your heart because you still believe God is working on something. All right, so let's look at how he institutes in this. It's Isaiah 12 where we see this writing. Let's uh, read Isaiah 12 and 1. In that day, you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Now, one thing we do have to remember, they are writing before the cross. So here's, here's the thing. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they're really bonded in our, our regular paper Bible. They're bonded by glue. But spiritually, they're bonded by the cross. The Old Testament looks toward the cross. The New Testament looks back at the cross. And so since we understand the cross and we understand what God has done for us because of the cross, there's some things when we read the Old Testament, we have to understand they didn't know that Jesus was going to come and die for everyone's sins and rise again with all power in his hands. We have a reason to praise God more than they did, and they were praising God without having the revelation that we have. We have the revelation and we're looking back at the cross. And so before the cross, the statement is made, God, you were angry at us. And that's why we went through what we went through because you were mad with us. And they had to recognize that. But let me put this point up. Point number one, God's wrath was poured out on Jesus so we get his mercy over his judgment. Before the cross, that was not the case. God's wrath had to be meted out some way, somehow, so they had to be punished. They had to bring sacrifices and lambs, and they had to do all the things they had to do. And even the ones who didn't know the God that we know, and they served other gods, they would cut themselves so their God would speak to them. Thank God we don't serve that kind of God. And we have revelation that God is not ever angry with us because he poured all his anger out on Jesus. He poured all his judgment out on Jesus on the cross. And you may say, but Pastor Andre, I have done some things that should anger God. Yes, you have. But he, he has no more anger to give because he poured all his anger out on Jesus on the cross. So that should make you happy because he should have kicked you out, but he didn't kick you out because he already has punished Jesus for what you would do. Now, some people will say, but but that, 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 that sounds like, it makes God seem like he is uh, uh, soft on sin. No, no, he's not soft on sin because the scripture says there is another day of wrath coming. And what the basically it says, if you somehow miss what some people call the rapture, some people call the other things, and what I call it is the first trip. If you somehow mess up God's mercy, and his grace after the cross and you're left after the church is snatched away shame on you because the wrath of God is coming again but in this in between time we ought to be some happy people because the sins that we have done God is not charging them to us because he loves us so much so God's wrath all his wrath was poured out on Jesus um I don't have time to really dig into this, but let me just throw this out there for you deep people. There's a scripture that, that says uh, that uh, it was said of Jesus, if I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. 
And normally when we preach it, we preach it from the standpoint of salvation, that, that uh, everybody is, is going to be saved. But that's not quite what it means. What it really means is I'll draw all men's judgment unto me. In other words, when I got on the cross, everything that anybody ever has done, I'm going to draw it under me, put it on me. I'm going to take it to the grave. I'm going to take it to hell. I'm going to raise up, and it's not going to be there anymore. It's going to be left down. That's what baptism is, is you go down one way, and you come up another way. Jesus went down with all the sin of the world, but he came up with all power in his hand. And so he drew all men's judgment. So guess what? If you don't want to go to hell, you do not have to because the price has already been paid. But anybody who does end up in hell, it becomes their choice and their choice alone because sin does not send you to hell. Oh, no, it really doesn't because he already paid for your sin. You go to hell for rejecting Jesus. So if you just accept Jesus and stay with Jesus, he'll take care of your sin. And he'll fix it up. All right, that, that's, that's a whole message I can get into, but I don't have time to deal with that. Let's move forward. Isaiah 12, 2. Surely God is my salvation. Hold on. They, they don't know what we know, but we can read it knowing what we know. Surely God is my salvation. Yeah, yeah, I've made some mistakes, and yeah, I've done, done some dumb stuff. But the reason why I come to church and act as crazy as I act, because God is my salvation. Yes. Read. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself, is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Yeah, yeah the devil is doing stuff to me, but the reason why I don't let it faze me because he is my defense. He is my strength. He is my salvation. He is my deliverer. He is my rescuer. So guess what? I'm going to praise him even when I'm under attack because I know who's on my side. That brings me up to point number two. He is our salvation. He is our rescue. He is our deliverance. He is our hope for tomorrow. Guess what, saints? If tomorrow you have a bad day, hope for the next tomorrow. So if Monday's bad, look for Tuesday to be good. If Monday and Tuesday is bad, look for Wednesday to be good. What, what, what if all the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is bad? Well, look for June to be better. Well, what if May and June are bad? Well, look for July to be better. Basically, what I'm saying is as long as you wake up another day, there is another reason to hope Keep hope alive. I sound like Jesse Jackson sometimes. Keep hope alive. Don't you quit because a day is coming. There's light at the end of the tunnel. The only way you lose in this battle is if you just quit. But if you just keep getting up, and here's the thing about the devil, what makes him so mad about us is we keep getting up. We just keep getting up. Yeah, you hit me, but I keep getting up. I heard bad news about my daughter, but I keep getting up. I heard bad news about my husband, I keep getting up. Actually, I don't even have a husband anymore. He walked out on me, but I keep getting up. It doesn't make a difference. I keep getting up. Still, I rise. I, I understand how the slaves made it through because they kept understanding as long as I trust and hope in a deliverer, I can keep getting back up. And this is a church where we preach to you, keep getting back up. All right, let's keep going. Let's look at verse 3. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Mm, 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 mm. It says with joy. 
you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So the salvation that God gives you is not surface. The problem with some Christians, they are surface Christians. But if you ever meet a deep Christian, they draw water deep from within. And the Bible says it's joy. And so that's why the saying was said, this joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me because this, this ain't joy that the world gives because if, if, if it's what the world gives, I should be sad. Really, my, my dad just died in October. I, 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 still, I should be deal, doing worse than I am, but I found some joy somewhere. I, I found some joy deep in, and it's deep in the salvation that God has given me. And I'm here to let you know something. No matter what trial you face, there's joy already deposited for the trial you will face. Let me, let me, let me make it real plain for you. If, if I go to my job, my, my, uh, not my job, but if I go to my bank prime trust and I ask to withdraw $2 million, they're going to laugh at me because I don't have $2 million deposited in there. You can only withdraw from what's previously deposited. So I'm here to let you know when you get in a new trial, sometimes you wonder how am I going to face it? But there was already a deposit made previously before you showed up to, to it. So when you ask for a withdrawal, you're not drawing from something empty. You're drawing from something full. I will draw joy from the well of my salvation. Let, let's put up point number three. Our joy is deep like a well, not shallow like a stream. The scripture didn't say a creek. And like the country folks say, a crick. No, it says we draw from a well. Because a well is dug real deep. And I'm here to let you know when God was working on you, the reason why it hurts so bad, he's been digging deep. Because he knew you was going to run into something and you was going to have to reach deep inside of your soul and pull something out. Yes, be honest, I'm looking at folk you should be in the crazy house. I'm not, I'm not talking about people who are in mental institutions. But what I'm saying, some of y'all should be in mental institutions because you've been through so much. But somehow the joy in your soul and the joy in your spirit and the joy that's down in you, that's the only reason why you're still here. That's the reason why you're still smiling and still laughing because your well runs deep. Now surface Christians... That's a different story. Surface Christians will smile in your face and stab you in your back. Surface Christians will cuss you out in the name of Jesus. I, I heard somebody cussing real bad at somebody. They said, I'm doing it in the name of Jesus. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then they said, I'll slap them in the name of Jesus. No, you're just in your flesh and you're trying to blame Jesus for stuff. Your, your salvation hasn't got deep enough. And that's what I want to build people where your salvation is deep. Now, 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 some people, like I said, their salvation is not deep. If you got a tattoo, you're not going to heaven. I, I don't want y'all talking that kind of foolishness because God ain't into a whole bunch of stuff we thought he was in. He's into some deep stuff. And you know how deep it is once you run up on a booger of a devil. See, for some surface Christians, the devil really don't have to do a whole lot. He don't have to send a whole lot of big demons. But if you face the big demons, the nasty, ugly demons, it's because your well runs deep. And guess what? 
you can tell to those demons, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. I like that. I don't, it's not me. It's not, 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 not Tommy. You ain't got to do it. All you got to do is tell him, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Now, now I'm getting off and I'm going to get back, but there was one scripture where these, these seven sons of Sceva, they came up on a, a, a crazy person filled with demons and they went to cast the demons out and that demon tore them folk up, whooped all seven of them. And the demon said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? But when your well runs deep, the demons say, uh, Jesus I know, Paul I know, Tyrena I know, Devin I know, Ella I know, Rankin I know, Alan I know. So I ain't messing with none of them. I trust in the God that you serve because your well runs deep. Oh, I want some deep folk. I want some deep folk. I ain't talking about fake deep folk. I hate fake deep folk. That all they do is they talk in cliches. You can't have a conversation with them. How you doing? I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. You just tied your muffler up with a rubber band. You're not blessed and highly favored? Just, just tell the truth. I want people to say, you know what? I'm struggling right now. I just had to tie my muffler up with a rubber band, but I still believe God. That's the kind of folk I want. All right, I got to move on. Let's go to verse 4. In that day you will say, give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. And proclaim that his name is exalted. So here's the thing. Surface Christians are also quiet Christians. They They don't have nothing to say about their God. But when you're deep, you can't stop talking about him. Uh, somebody said, I just can't stop praising his name. Another person said, if I had 10,000 tongues, it wouldn't be enough to tell about the goodness of my God. Let's put up point number four. That's why we are not ashamed of the gospel. Good news is meant to be shared. This is what marketers will tell you. The greatest marketing is still what? Word of mouth. They they spill millions on Super Bowl commercials. They spill millions to market things to you. But they still know the greatest marketing is word of mouth. Some of the greatest restaurants I went to is somebody told me, man, I had the best steak I ever had. And you know what? Some of the best places I ever ate was holes in the wall. I mean, the place don't look like nothing. But the only reason why I went is somebody told me, you got to go there. They got chicken that'll make you spin around and smack your mama. I mean, the chicken is good. I mean, some, that's some good chicken there. Real good. But that's what word of mouth will do. I wonder if we would got some saints that would start telling how good God has been. The problem is, yes, we are dealing with things. So sometimes you may not be able to talk about the present, but you have to reach back in the past and talk about what he has already done. I don't want to stay too long, but it reminds me of a testimony my father would always, always tell. and, And I can't tell it, do it justice like him. And now that he's gone, I'm so grateful for all his stories that I used to roll my eyes at. I'm grateful for all his stories. To make a long story short and try to, to, uh, 
paint a, a quick picture. He was, we were going on vacation. He was going to pick up my mother from the hospital when she worked at the hospital at the time. He parked in a place that he should not have parked at, but he, she, he was waiting for her to come out. When she came out, the car wouldn't start, and he was in a place he shouldn't have been, and God told him to praise him. And my father, being honest, said, God, I don't feel like praising you. You know we're supposed to be on the road. I was just going to pick her up, park where I shouldn't park. And I turned the car off, and the car wouldn't start. Now, here I am stuck. I don't know what to do. But God said, praise me anyhow. And then he says his mind went back to when his daughter, my sister Kelly, was in the car. And there was no car seat back in the day. And my mother was in an accident shortly from their house. And how my daughter had went, I mean, by his daughter had went up under the dash and could have caused a lot of trouble. But they checked her out and there was no trouble with his young daughter. And by the time he started thinking about that, God brought back to his mind me. And they said there was a time where they had set me on a table in a bassinet and they did not buckle me because I wasn't big enough to move around. And so my mother went to go do something with my father and come back and they hear me screaming and they come to look for me and I'm no longer in the bassinet. I have flipped out of the bassinet and flipped into a crate of milk bottles. Now, I don't remember this and maybe because I hit my head so hard. No, <laughs> I don't remember this because I, I was young. I'm, I'm just telling what he told and somehow I went and once again they checked me all out and I was okay and what my dad said is when God brought back what he had already done he felt ashamed that he didn't praise him and so he began to praise God right in the middle of his situation and when he got done praising God said start the car he hits the key and the car starts up so the point that I'm making is that when you understand that everything I'm in is not praiseworthy, but there's something in my life that I can thank God for. I may have to go a week back, a month back, a couple years back, a decade back, but I'm here to let you know God has been good to you and God has been good to me. And there's no reason not to give him praise. Now, let me remind you how I started the sermon. This second Isaiah was talking to people who were slaves in a foreign land. And he institutes a praise chapter because he wants them while they're reading. He knows praise ignites your faith. All right, let's go to Romans. This is the only verse we're going in Romans. We're deviating from Isaiah real quick. And Romans says what? 116a. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. So stop being ashamed of what God has done. All right, let's go back to Isaiah. Let's look at verse 5. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Yes. You, you, you know what? I do something strategically. I, um, because... We, we don't have live praise anymore. And there'll be, uh, come a day we'll, we, we will do that again. But because we don't have live praise anymore, they have to be into what we call video praise. And so I uh, put the songs in there. Sometimes I get uh, suggestions from people, but I put the songs in there uh, either several days before or the night before. So I already know what the songs are. And I've already praised to them because I didn't listen to them already. 
So I go in my office and I'm praising in my office because I already know what they are. But sometimes I strategically come out because you need to see your leader praising the Lord. And sometimes when you go to churches, you'll see leaders who are just so somber and so deep. But let me tell you something. I can't be that way because God's been too good to me. See, see, right, right now, I have children running my slides and running my video that we didn't think we could have. That the doctor said wouldn't come and it took us eight years for them to get here. I can't come here and act like God ain't been good to me. I got story after story. And so the song, the psalmist says, sing to the Lord for what he's done. Now, I don't have a great voice, but when I'm over there, I'm singing to the Lord. I don't know what note I'm on. I don't know what key I'm on, but I'm singing to the Lord. I will make a joyful noise unto the Lord because I know God is still worthy of the praise and he's worthy of the glory even when I'm in something bad. I didn't preach hurting. I didn't preach with fever. I didn't preach with aches and pains in my body. I didn't preach with loved ones dead. I didn't preach with stuff don't know what's going on. But guess what? I'm not going to let anything stop me from doing what God has called me to do. I am a preacher. So if I got to preach while I'm sick, that's what I'm going to do. If I got to preach while I'm in grief, that's what I'm going to do. If I got to preach while I'm depressed, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to praise him while I'm preaching. I'm going to praise him when I get done. And sometimes when I'm in my car and I'm waving, I'm not waving at you. I'm thinking of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me. So this is how I am. This is not just what I do for show for y'all. This is who I really am. I go in for God because God deserves it all. Yeah. Let's go to the next verse, verse 6. Shout aloud, sing for joy, people of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel among you. I don't mind quiet church necessarily, but I ain't going to be quiet all the time. I'm going to do some shouting in my church. Now, now, if we're too loud for y'all, y'all can go somewhere else. And I don't, I, it don't bother me. But when I get this microphone, I'm going to holler and yell and sweat because I'm saying God has been so good. Now, if he hasn't been good to me, maybe I would say, now would you turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 12 and 6. And let me prestigiously read this verse. I ain't got time for all that. Let me tell you what God has done for me. I'm not mad at that other type of church. That just ain't me. I'm shouting with a voice of triumph. Let's look at point number five. Our songs of praise are an indicator of deep gratitude from within our soul. That deepness. And that, so now, 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 now let me go to another uh, teaching moment as we move toward the close of the service. Um, Put, put this up. I'm a long way from closing, so you ain't got to get excited. But I'm pointing in the direction of a close. So soul in Hebrew is the word nefesh. So let, let me read this for you. and take it straight from a commentary. These are not my words. When I put words up like this that I read from, they're not my words. They're words from other places. So let me put this up. In the Bible, nefesh is translated into English as Living being, life, creature, mind, desires, heart, 
appetite person. So that word in the flesh has been translated all those different ways in English. What does that tell us? We get the sense that nefesh is the inner living being of a man and it speaks of the very essence of a person. The problem with our society and our culture is we put so much stock on the outside of a person. So, so, so Sister Rose Selby, when I see her, I say, that's Roe. But that's not really Roe, that's the vehicle that Roe is in. See, when you see my Cadillac, you say, oh, that's Pastor Andre. But the Cadillac is not Pastor Andre. It's just the vehicle that Pastor Andre is in. When you see this flesh, that's not who I am. The real person is that deep person. It's that inner man. And that's why when Satan attacks, he doesn't often just attack the shell. He attacks the inner man. That's why psychologists and psychiatrists call it trauma. People who have deep trauma because there's something about the depths of who we are that's inside of us. And so what the psalmist is saying, I'm trying to get you to praise not from the exterior. I'm trying to get you to praise from the interior. Because when you praise from the interior, you bring healing from the inside out. Every other surgeon has to operate from the outside in. God is the only surgeon who can operate from the inside out. All right. Let's let's go back. Uh, we're done with Psalm um, Isaiah 12 because that wa it was a psalm, but it's not in the book of Psalms. So it was a song instituted by this second Isaiah. So now we're going to go to Psalm. I'm, I'm thinking of another psalm that's important. Let's read this Psalms 103 and 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I, that's not the verse. Go back to ver the first verse. 103.1. Bless the Lord, O my soul of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. So bless the Lord, O my soul. Not just my mouth, but that deep person. All right. And we, we read it, but we'll read it, read it again. Verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I told you I was going to go off for a little while, but come back. Remember, the title of the sermon is Jesus I'll Never Forget. So I, I, I've been messing with it, but I hadn't really dealt with it. But now I'm coming all the way back to a psalm of David where he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So let's put up point number six. Praise is the tool we use to keep us from forgetting what God has done. And that's what I've been talking to you about. But let's go a little deeper. Let's, let's go back to the working preacher's commentary. And, and let, let me read some things to you. We humans have a complicated relationship with memory. We are the only species that has conceived of history or conceived of in history. And has made any attempt to catalog that history for the sake of remembering in other words, the whale does not care about yesterday. The jackal is not plagued with regret. Humans are the only ones who actually live for memories and have a, a way of cataloging memories. All of history is about memories, about things that happened in the past. What I've learned, and one of the things that I don't like to frivolously spend money, but what I'll spend a lot of money for is on vacations for my family. Because I understand vacations create memories. 
And memories are vitally important. Memories will shape you. Bad memories shape you. Good memories shape you. So memory is very important. And one of the things that is problematic for humans is we have a tendency to forget. All right, let's read some more. Going off the animals. The mollusk does not write books for posterity's sake. Part of what it means to be human is to remember. Put another way, forgetting is actually inhuman. This is what makes a disease like Alzheimer's so insidious. Next, next one. It attacks the very core of us. The nefesh, the innermost place where we build our identity according to where we have been, what we have done, and who we have met or who we have seen, what we've seen. Alzheimer's dehumanizes us by eroding our memories. So one of the hard things is to deal with someone that has Alzheimer's because it affects the greatest part of who they are, what they remember. People who I know whose parents and loved ones have struggled with that, they'll say, I went to see mom, she remembered me today, but the next day she didn't know who I was. It, it, it affects. And so what I'm saying, and, and I'm not really trying to focus just on Alzheimer's, but what I'm saying is spiritually, in our nefesh, in our soul, we cannot have Alzheimer's in our soul when it relates to what God has done. Yes. All right, let's, let's put this point up. This will help us bring it all home even closer. We don't want to be diagnosed with spiritual dementia because his benefits... Far outweigh our troubles. What I'm concerned with is that when you go through perpetual trouble or you're in a new trouble or you're in a trouble that you don't see the end of it yet, the problem is we have a tendency to focus on the trouble. And when we focus on the trouble, we begin to forget what God has done. And so we move into spiritual dementia and we forget. And the more you look at the problem, the more you will be convinced that God is not good. So when they say God is good all the time and all the time God is good, you don't say nothing. Because in your life, God is not that good. But that's because you're focusing on what currently is. And that's why you have to go backwards and pick up what he already has done. And the reason why you do that, because if he did it before, he can do it again. And so the devil tries to get you trapped into what he is. But I'm promising Jesus, I'll never forget. And I'm trying to tell you, don't you dare forget what he's already done. I know the new thing is hard. And here's the thing. If you are progressing in God, the new things will be harder than the stuff before. It, it, it gets harder. It gets deeper. When, when you go into the ocean and you begin to walk into the ocean, the water gets what? Deeper. It gets deeper as you go. And life is like that. It gets deeper as you go. But your nefesh gets deeper as well. And in the middle of water up to your neck, you can still say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It says, I will 
That means it's an act of your will. That means sometimes you have to choose to praise him. You have to choose to come to church. If you only come to church when life is peachy cream, you are a weak Christian. You got to come when all hell is going loose and your life is, looks like you're about to drown. Still show up and say, God, I give you praise. And I promise you, it will revolutionize who you are. Let's continue to read. Let's go to Psalms 103. Getting closer to that closing. Psalms 103 and Who forgives three. all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Here's one of the reasons... That we have to keep praising God. Because even before the cross, David was able to say, who forgives all your iniquities? Listen, God has forgiven me from too much for me to start, for me to peter out on him now. For me to put, put, put and just quit on him now. No, no, no. I know I'm in something rough right now. But guess what? I got a whole bunch of sin that he done already washed and cleansed and he done put behind me. I ain't going to act funny with God now. God been too good to me. And what God also says in another scripture later on the Bible, it says, to those who have been forgiven much, they love much. The reason why we a church of love, because we a church of mess previous mess we got some stuff in our closet we got some skeletons back there but somehow God has delivered us I'm not quitting on God cause a new trial cause if you knew all the sin in my closet listen you wouldn't you wouldn't spend a day with me and if I knew all the sin in your closet wouldn't spend a day with you now, now some deep people say well I ain't sin that bad but this is what you don't understand there are sins of commission and sins of omission. Commission is what you do. Omission is what you didn't do. When you should have and you didn't do. You were supposed to give and you didn't give. You were supposed to smile and you didn't smile. Not only that, it goes to the thoughts that we thought. We may never did it, but we thought it. I ain't never murdered nobody. I'm not a murderer, but I didn't thought about it. I have a license to carry. I got a gun in my car. And every now and then somebody does something and they wave their fingers in a certain way. It make me want to grab my gun. But thank God that God sits on me and don't let me do nothing stupid. The reason why I've never been in jail and never been in paper is because God has blocked some stuff for me. So when you think about all that God has done, there's not a reason not to give him praise. It says, forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. All your diseases, all your dis-ease. Everything in life that keeps life from being easy is a dis-ease. Disease is not just cancer, diabetes, and, and all the, and AIDS, di, and COVID, diseases, anything that diseases you. And the Bible says he heals, which means continually, perpetually. So he con- continues working on you till you become the person you're supposed to be. All right, let's continue to read. We've got another step closer to the close. Come on. Well, verse who re- 4. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Now this ain't for y'all. Because y'all ain't never been in the pit. But I done been in the pit. But he redeemed my life from the pit. Um, Somebody said I was in sinking sand. 
That's why, why, why one writer said it. Yeah, I've been in the pit. I've been in the pits of despair. I've been in the pits of lust. I've been in the pits of anger. I've been in the pits of trouble. I, I've been in all kinds of pits, armpits, all kinds of pits. I've been in some pits. But he's redeemed me from the pit. Woo, he, he redeemed me from the grave. In other words, what it means, he came down where I was and lifted me up where he was. I wish I could preach more on that, but I, I, I don't. We're, we're one step closer. Let's look at this verse. This is the last verse. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. One, one thing again to remind you, this is David writing way before the cross. He doesn't even know what we know. We're looking back at the cross and reading the Old Testament writings, and we see all that David is talking about. We ought to be excited about the God that we serve. Let's, let's put it all in context. We're going to take those verses and put them all in a quick way you can understand. Let's look at point number eight. In those verses, this is what we heard. We heard forgiveness, healing, redemption, love and mercy, satisfaction, and renewal are just a few of the benefits. When, when David began to write, he said, forget not all his benefits. As we close, I, I work for General Motors, and I, I appreciate my hourly rate. But one of the reasons why I'm there is not really the hourly rate. It's the benefits. It, it's the fact that, that a 20, 30, 40, 50, $60,000 pregnancy that my wife will have and all this medicine and all this stuff that they give me a bill to say zero dollars. It's the benefits. Just last year when, when uh, Lady Devin ended up in the hospital, her emergency thing alone was $54,000 just for her one day time in emergency, not when they admitted her, just one day cost $54,000, but I paid zero because I got benefits. I'm here to let you know I serve God because of the benefits, because he's good. He's better than good. He's like Campbell's soup. He's mm, mm, good. And yes, I'm saved, but I'm here because of the benefits. I'm here because of the deliverance. I'm here because of the peace. I'm here because of the joy. I'm here because I got the right mind. I'm, I'm here because of the benefits. Last point, I promise, we're done. Last point, point number one. Now I'll quote you the song. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. And Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget. No, never. Let's stand to our feet. How can I forget how you brought me out? How can I forget how you set me free. How can I forget all you've done for me? So, Jesus, I'll never forget. No, never. If I was Bishop Mister, I'd say, how can I forget when way back in Egypt land, how you brought me out with your mighty outstretched hand. He always would like to go to that verse. So here's what I'm saying, saints. I know life gets hard after you leave this place. But I want you to say like me and understand that you'll be able to say, Jesus, I'll never forget. 
need life to be easy because you've already done enough for me. And here's the final thing I say. If you never get another blessing, I mean done, you go from here to heaven. You don't get nothing else nice. What he did for you on Calvary is enough. But God doesn't deal with enough. He deals with benefits. So guess what? You're going to get some benefits. I promise you. Let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father God, we promise you not to forget as you promise to daily load us with benefits. Another scripture says you daily load us with benefits. And there's some things that we need, God, but we thank you for stepping in and being our benefactor and giving us benefits because without you, some of the things that we're facing, God, we would drown in it. We would die in it. We would suffocate in it. But because of what you did on the cross, the scripture says, if you would offer up your son, why wouldn't you freely give us all things? God, we got financial troubles. We got children troubles. We got relationship troubles. We got job troubles. We, we got all kinds of troubles. But guess what? You know how to trouble our trouble and bring us out looking better than we've ever looked before. And for that, we thank you. And it's to that end we will hope. And it's to that end we will believe. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. Now, I normally do this. I don't feel to do it like I normally do it. So I'm just going to say it as a prayer. We normally quote the sinner's prayer. But we'll just say this to anybody who's watching and anybody under the sound of my voice. Father, save the unsaved. And Father, reclaim the backsitting. And God, let them know if they need a place Deliverance temple is a place that they can come. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.